0: To be a full-time creator, this is the part that people don't realize, you need a creative process. You need a pipeline. You can't just wake up each day and go, what do I feel creatively inspired to make? You need like a system where you're constantly taking in ideas putting them through stages, you know, developing them, reworking them, getting feedback, implementing that feedback and have multiple things in the pipeline so that each week or each day or month or whenever you publish, you have something to draw on. That's the hidden part of the creative lifestyle that people don't realize until they actually try to do it.
1: Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries and thought leaders, rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mindvalley podcast. Hey everybody that listens to Superhumans at Work, know that all of these episodes are recorded with a live studio audience. Mindvalley members get a chance to join these sessions with the author themselves while we record these sessions, and at the end of every show, they actually get to participate in a Q&A session as well. If ever you're interested in joining Mindvalley All Access and become a member yourself, you'll get access to all the incredible courses from Mindvalley and so much more to be involved with Superhumans at Work, the Mindvalley podcast, and all the other incredible features when you become a member. We are disrupting the way that education works for the 21st century, and we want you to be a part of it. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman so you can learn more about this incredible offer, which will cost you less than $2 a day. That's mindvalley.com Forward slash S U P E R H U M A N. Now let's get started with the show. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Mark Campbell. Welcome back to Superhumans at Work. I have an incredible guest today who's going to be talking about productivity, labeling it in a term that you may or may not heard of before, building a second brain, the concept of a second brain. What does that mean? Are we getting into the realm of science fiction and speaking about how to create an AI brain? Are we looking at productivity methods that we can apply today? Or are we talking about some other intuitive pulse that gets us to do better decision framework. Well, Tiago Forte, who's joining me today is the founder of Forte Labs, and it's an education company for professional development and in the information age specifically. He has over 20,000 students that I went through his program. And what I find most fascinating is a bit more of a personal exposure to this man. I've been talking to some of my most valued mentors and friends. And as we talk about these ideas of productivity, one of them comes to me And Hanson says, oh, you should have studied from Tiago Forte. You know the concept of the second brain. I say, no, I've never heard of it. Mm -hmm. His mind was blown thinking, how could you not know about this man? He has the most advanced, productive, proven, effective ways of being more productive that if you don't study what he does, you're just operating at a level two from 10 on how to be productive. And so I'm extremely curious to get to know more about his methods and get a chance for all of you to discover this method as well, because I know that the fact that he's worked with companies such as Fiat Chrysler, Toyota, Inter-American Development Bank, as well as nonprofits and startups, he is somebody you wanna know about and his methods are gonna change the way you work. Tiago Forte, welcome to Superhumans at Work. It's such a pleasure to have you.
0: That was one of the best intros I have ever received. Thank you,
1: wow. (laughs) You know, when it comes from the heart, You know, you can make a good intro now. You did
0: your homework. You took some good notes about me, which I always appreciate.
1: (laughs) Well, let's start about that because, you know, we're talking about the concept of a second brain. Now, like I mentioned, some people like second brain, are we talking about the gut, like intuition? Are we talking about having ourselves downloaded into the matrix? Like, can you give us a bit of a overview of what is this concept of the second brain and how did you get started talking about it?
0: Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. The idea of a second brain is just that you can expand your memory, intelligence, intuition, intellect, all these capabilities that we so value, you can expand them outside the confines of your skull that you don't have to necessarily, you know, get better at memorization or get smarter or more intellectual because you're surrounded by all these incredible thinking machines. That's another name for technology, right? Each, each and every piece of technology is a thinking machine. And that by doing that, you get smarter, you get a better memory, but you also free yourself up to do the things that only humans can do, right? Empathy, imagination, creativity, maybe even just relaxing and enjoying your life. Imagine that. <laughs> so it's really, it's a symbiosis. It's a symbiotic relationship with technology, not seeing them either as our savior or as the enemy, which so much of the, you know, the, the controversy in the media about the computers taking our jobs is very black or white. It's about being a centaur. A centaur is half man, half horse. Having a second brain is really working in relationship with your computer and these different devices so that each of you can kind of play to your strengths
1: mm Now, you know, what's interesting is you speak about Centaur and kind of merging with technology. And I feel like we're already at the crux of it. Like we're talking about our iPhones in our pocket all the time. You know, we're using laptops to be more productive and such, but a lot of times it seems like these technologies are getting more in the way of our productivity, as opposed to kind of enhancing us. Like we're being drawn into these distractions and then there's some things that really suck up our time. So how do we draw that line? Like you're talking about helping you, but a lot of people might be feeling more lost with this technology. What do we see happening there? I
0: really think it's important to look at history with this. I'm a huge fan of history. I have all sorts of historical examples and metaphors I use in my course, because when you're so zoomed in to like, what is on Twitter, you know, in the last five minutes or what is trending on Facebook or what is at the top of my email inbox, it's such an incredible myopia. Myopia is in like not really seeing everything else that's going on. And so I think it's important to recognize that when it comes to using technology to think better, we are infants. We're like little, little tiny babies. And this is especially kind of vivid for me because I have a three month old in the house and seeing how he, he can't do anything, <laughs> right? Like we'll put him on the couch and if he falls over onto a side, he can't even you know put himself back straight. If you put something in front of his two inches in front of his face and he really is interested in it, he can't even reach out and grab the thing. Totally incompetent (laughs) and cute and cute, luckily. And so I see him and I go, that's what we are with technology. We're in the first decade or two of how human beings are going to completely be transformed by this stuff. Mm -hmm. So cut yourself some slack, first of all, right? We're just learning. And I do think what I'm doing with building a second brain is, you know, so much of the conversation, kind of that black or white thing, it has been this thing that is overly simplistic, right? You hear people say things like technology is bad. Technology is inherently distracting. It's scrambling our minds. You know, it's run by these evil giant social media companies that just want to take over our brains, all these things. And I just don't buy that. Yes, there are times when you should shut off the devices, but when I look at my life, Some of the very best education, inspiration, creativity, some of my best friendships came from the internet. I mean, the internet is the greatest flowering of human imagination and creativity in history. How could you step away from that? How could you ignore that or say, oh no, I'm gonna abstain from all of that stuff just because it's a little hard to manage sometimes. So I feel like I'm giving people a middle way. Don't vilify technology and the internet, but also don't just react to it. Do something in the middle, which is the second brain idea, which is get just the one to 10% that is most interesting and valuable. And then enriches your life and take it away from the stream, this vast stream of information and put it in a separate private place that you trust, that you know where it is, that you can do whatever you want to it. You can edit it, you can reshape it. And that place, which you can think of kind of as a private library, that's your second brain. When you think about how crazy it is to try to do everything in public, like try to think in public, try to do, you know, everything on social media, online, it's stressful, it's risky, it's not, it's not peaceful, right? And so just like every artist has a studio, every writer has a place where they like to do their writing. Every dancer has the bar where they practice. Every creative person has a special creative place. And that place is not on the public internet. It's in a private place, which is the second brain.
1: Whoa! I love that comparison, which is just that everybody doing something creative, there's a space that they create where they can thrive. And here we're talking about in the workplace, this concept of a second brain, you're basically saying we need to create a trusted space where all of the things that maybe we're not so capable of as human beings, because you talk about all the great competencies we have, like our creativity or our intuition and all these things. But there's some attacks that we're not necessarily that good at as human beings. Like I can just think, for example, if you tell me to remember one thing today, okay, I can keep it in my mind and I can probably, you know, execute on that. But today it seems like, oh, there's 20 things I need to remember. And the concept of us trying to remember all these things while relying on just our brain doesn't seem like the most scalable, reliable kind of method. And so walk us through what are the types of things that were typically limited at the workplace as human beings? And how does that get these gaps filled by a concept like the second brain?
0: Yeah. So I think this would be a good time to talk about my four-part framework There's always a four-part framework. (laughs) You need the four parts. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Mine is called CODE. So C-O-D-E are the letters which stand for capture, organize, distill, and express. You can think of code like a code of honor, like a secret code, like a software code. It's like a system for getting things done. And really, how you can think of it is that as knowledge workers, and we're all knowledge workers, right? We're all people who manage information as the main part or one of the main parts of our job, right? I talked to like truck drivers, and even they have become knowledge workers. They have these crazy, you know, systems in their giant big rig trucks where they have to manage the routes, the gas and all these different things, right? So all of us have to deal with tons and tons and tons of information. But these four jobs that we have to do all the time, are universal. There's no one that doesn't have to do them. Every single knowledge worker, and I would even say probably every human being, has to capture information. At some point, we have to get it from our own brains, from the brains of others, from the internet, from email, and put it somewhere that we control. Then at some point, we need to organize, which just means put some sort of order, some sort of structure to it, just so it's not a complete chaotic mess. Then at some point, In one way or another, we have to distill. This is the one that people often miss, right? You collect a bunch of stuff. You have this big volume of information. You have to distill it down. You have to summarize it. Think of like when they make maple syrup, they'll collect 50 to 70 gallons. Oh, this is a good Canadian
1: example. (laughs) I was going to say, did you know I'm Canadian? Now you're talking about something I haven't had in a long time. So I'm excited. (laughs) Sorry if this brings back painful memories, but you know, you collect
0: all this, I don't even know actually sap or whatever it is. And then there's a 60 or 70 to one ratio. They have to distill all that down to just the, the very dense essence, which is what you put on your pancakes. And then finally you have to express knowledge is only knowledge when it's shared. Knowledge is inherently social, right? If you have an idea in your brain, you don't get to call that knowledge until it's tested in some way. It's reviewed by one of your peers or someone else tries it and they have the same result or you put it into practice in the world and it works, right? So in some shape or form, every single one of us has to do these four things.
1: So we got the Capture, Organize, Distill, and Express. And for those of you who are joining us live, I'm going to have a bit of fun with everybody. Now, if you're listening to the podcast, know that we have Valley members that join in live, and they actually get to see us on video and get to interact with us. So I just did a quick little drawing for people. So you won't be able to see this on the podcast. But if you're interested in becoming a member of Valley, just go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman so you can find out more about how to be a member. So did I just capture this correctly, Tiago? Nice. Yes. Perfect. So now we have this. So let's talk about the capturing. Now, a lot of us probably have a lot of different places where we capture information. Like we have email, WhatsApp, Slack, and it gets a little overwhelming. So what are we talking about the ways that we can do the capture section even more?
0: Yeah. Before answering that, let me give your your attendees a little kind of self-test. We can do a little diagnosis, a little diagnostic. As you look at those four words, and you can even share them again, I bet if you just take a moment and just sort of listen inside, there's one or two of those words that you are attracted to. You're like, bam, yes, I know what that is. I'm good at that. I do it all the time. Mm -hmm. And there's one or two words that you're like, back away slowly. Okay. People tend to have a, like a home base. One of those four activities that they are most natural at. And the further away they get from that home base activity, the scarier it becomes. And I'd love in the chat, if you could just put in, let's start with your strength and just choose one. What is the one of those four words capture, organize, distill, express that is most comfortable for you?
1: And if you're listening to this on the podcast, make sure you bring this into your mind and think about which one of these seem to resonate the most. Now we're seeing a lot of people express. I see a little bit of everything, which actually I'm surprised because I have a bias. I think for me, express is the one that's the easiest to do.
0: Interesting. As a podcast host, that does not surprise
1: me. (laughs) Ooh, I'd be curious to know more about what makes you say that. And then I'm seeing everybody here. We have some captures, distills, we have some organized, a lot of capture seems to be coming in. So what are we seeing here and what are these typical traits we'll see from people at these different levels?
0: Let me answer that by putting people into two big categories. So to make it even simpler, the four steps of code are really just a creative process. Every creative process from artists to sculptors, to poets, to engineers, whatever, has to intake information on one end, do something with it, and then output information at the simplest level. And so there tends to be very broadly two groups of people, which is people, and you're going to recognize yourself very easily, okay? Some people, which are the ones who said capture or organize, they might be very good at the start of the creative process. They start a new project, jump into it, you know, heads first, really get into action, start researching all these things, open up all those tabs on your browser across the top of the window, buy all these books, follow all these people. But then the further along they get, it kind of just dies, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, you know, yourself as someone who starts things and just with that spark, that energy is really good. But then, you know, that it's hard to finish. And other people are the opposite. The people who tended to choose Distill or express, they might be very good at finishing things. They tend to be very practical, very good at tying up loose ends, very good at, you know, getting to the finish line, but they might have trouble starting things. It's difficult to get excited about new things. It's difficult to take risks. It's difficult to sort of diverge and like seek new kinds of information. This is one reason, by the way, that those two types need each other. If you're of the first type, often you'll get help in finishing things by finding the second type. And the second type will get help starting things by finding the first type. This is why teams are so essential to creative work. But anyway, I forget your original question now.
1: (laughs) Well, we're going into some fun territory. So I'm very fine with that. And I'd love to see it from the attendees that are listening to, are you group one, the capture organized that are good to start? Are you group two? Just type in a one or two so we can see where everybody's at. I'm actually a little conflicted with this because I thought initially I'd be express But then you talked about the group one about capture organizing. I am one of these people that's really good to start, bad to finish. And this probably will tie into your concepts, but what I actually do is I usually try to design processes or systems that will prevent me from falling off the wagon. I will be bad to finish, but then I usually set up a team that'll be able to execute on the processes that usually is around the express and distill. Like I want to streamline that. I want to automate that. So I'd be curious to know, like what are some of the ways that we can actually build on that second capacity. If we find ourselves with a weakness.
0: Yeah. I mean, this is what we all have to do. We all have to find ways to leverage our strengths, you know, be recognized and achieve things based on our strengths, but not have our weaknesses be so weak that they hold us back. That's the nature of life. Like, You mentioned many ways you do that. You find structure, you find processes, you buy a book, you hire Mm -hmm. a consultant or a coach, you work on a team, and then you change teams because you want a team that complements your strengths better. It's interesting to think about this more of like a system that you don't have to do all the jobs, right? Like you can't do those four jobs perfectly. No one can. And even Mm -hmm. if you do them all kind of at the same level, they can always be done better. So in a funny way, Jason, this is sort of like the antidote to self-improvement. Like self-improvement, you reach a point in your life that it just, you get tired of it. You're like, can I just be good enough? Haven't I just improved enough, achieved enough, but then there's still things that you want to, you want to create and you want to experience and you want to have happen in the world. And so this is something I'm personally going through because we just, in the past year, started hiring a little over a year ago. I was the one person doing everything in my business. And this month, we're going to go to six employees, And suddenly I have to, my productivity, it still matters, but not nearly as much. What matters way more is the productivity of the people and the systems around me. Mm. And you may think, okay, well, I'm not hiring for my company, but this is the crazy thing. Technology now is like your staff, right? When you bought your MacBook, you hired that MacBook to do a job for you. Your iPhone or Android does a job for you. This light in the corner here does a job for me. And so you are a manager, Maybe not of people, but you're a manager of systems which have intelligence as we looked
1: at before. Well, I love that concept because a lot of times people say, oh, you know, I don't hire people, so I don't need these concepts or I don't need these processes. I don't need to be as structured. But when you start labeling all these pieces of technology as its own kind of entity, it kind of needs a job description. It needs processes. It needs guidance. It needs training. And I think we forget that a lot, don't we? Totally. All those things. Shannon, one of our attendees is just talking about how her mind is completely blown. And I'm sure that all you listeners are probably having an aha moment right now. And so, yeah, what's like, that would be the biggest thing, right? Like we have this technology, then we get overwhelmed by it. So then it kind of starts controlling us. Just like if you're hiring people and you have staff and you didn't train them, then they start being more of an annoyance than someone that helps you build a business more productively. And so this analogy is amazing. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Technology doesn't have an opinion. It comes in and it's looking for direction. It's looking for you to give it a job, for you to give it goals, for you to train it, for you to give it constraints and rules. The apps that I teach people to use, they're called digital notes apps, apps like Evernote and Notion and Bear and Rome, And these are established companies. I didn't create these apps, you know, and they have their own content and training but what i really do is teach people to use these apps that they already have you know tens hundreds of millions of people use those apps apple notes microsoft OneNote. they're pre-installed on most of the devices that you buy all i'm doing is teaching people how to use effectively those note-taking apps that they already have on their device that's it you don't need to create or add some crazy new contraption I mean, think of Apple Notes It could, or whatever the Android equivalent is. It couldn't be simpler. It's little notes that you write down ideas on.
1: That's how it starts. All right. I want to dig into a bit more of the application of this concept of second brain. So like you're talking about, you know, people also, uh, Sarah is jumping in, talking about Google Keep is the Android equivalent. Okay. So I've used Apple Notes. I have Evernote. I have another tool that I use to document things. And I kind of just get a little lost in it. And I kind of lose a bit of the trust that the information that I have there is really all the information. And there's kind of like a, a habit gap. And so I'd love to maybe talk more about like, what is this concept of note-taking that's part of the second brain, the ways of getting started maybe a couple of rules of thumb of what are the errors that typical people that get started with this concept usually make as mistakes and we can maybe avoid.
0: Let me try to give you the most kind of practical, actionable tips here. The place that you can really start is with the O, it's with Organize. There's a, a method within that O that I've developed that is definitely the thing I'm most known for. It's by far the most popular post on my blog. It's like the gateway, right? And it's called Para. Again, four letter, you know, four letter word. I love four letter words. <laughs> P-A-R-A is the word. And those stand for, again, four things, which are projects, areas, resources, and archives. Here's what I would say to answer your question, the main mistake, most people can actually do capture okay. And part of that is digital notes apps, they really make this easy. There's a Chrome extension, click this button and save a web page. Great. There's a mobile app, hit the plus and you can add a note, send this email into your notes app. So it's very easy to send things in from all different places. But then the classic example, and this is the moment where people usually come to me is they open up the notes app and it's this like dense jungle this crazy soup of just things that have no like you don't even know is this important is this valuable is this top or bottom up or down i don't even know
1: let's ask everybody listening, how do you feel about the statement? Are you having that kind of environment where you have all these notes all over the place? I want to see some hundred percents possibly in the chat. And if you're listening to the podcast, maybe just nod your head while you're at the gym or on the road. So people can wonder why is he nodding their head or she is nodding her head so aggressively because I'm seeing a lot of people throwing in some hundred percents here.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's the perfect place to be actually. Because you're already in the game. You've already captured, you're already on step two. You're already on step two out of four. <laughs> so, the way Para works is here's the mistake that people make they try to categorize their notes by topic. That is such a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It's very understandable why almost everyone does this, because that's how a library is organized. Mm. right? At least in the U S we use the Dewey decimal system. You go in and there's the little plaques at the end of the shelves. And it says, you know, agriculture, and then it gets more specific. I don't know, agriculture in Europe, agricultural machinery, agricultural advice, like it's categories and then subcategories and then sub -sub subcategories. And it's this kind of what's called a nested hierarchy of more and more specific topics that makes sense in a library in a library it has to be accessible to everyone. Hmm. right? whether you are 12 years old or 85. you have to be able to walk in and make sense of this system. it also makes sense because they have a staff. they have a staff that all day long is keeping track of those categories. it doesn't make sense when it comes to your personal knowledge. right? it's personal knowledge management is this field, PKM. when it comes to personal knowledge, how you want to organize your notes or your information is by actionability how actionable is it and that's how you get the four categories p is for project p-a-r-a p is for projects your projects are like the most actionable things it's happening right now it's urgent it's ongoing it's timely the a stands for areas of responsibility So these are the different areas of your life, like finances, health, relationships, your home, your diet, things like this that are still actionable, but a little bit less actionable. The R is for resources. So these are things just interesting resources could be, you know, research you did or some interesting quotes or some marketing, you know, a swipe file of different ads that you want to copy. So it's useful, but it's not actionable. There's no particular thing that you have in mind that you want to use that for. And then archives is anything from the previous three categories that is no longer actionable. It's kind of like the cold storage, right? You don't want to delete everything, but you don't want it to clutter up your workspace. So as soon as it's not actionable, you just file it away in archives.
1: And so when I have this mess, I'm looking at this, I have a bunch of notes here. Is this something where you go deep? Like, is this what you would recommend as we look at this? perceived chaos right now. Maybe it's in topics, maybe. And we're trying to find a way to kind of just throw everything in the right bucket at this time.
0: So for a long time, that's what my advice was. But I've changed my opinion on that. Because what I saw time and time again was people would get lost in that right they would start and say okay i'm you know i'm going to set aside an hour or two and just file away like it's a giant filing cabinet all the different existing notes that i have and then i talk to them 2 weeks later and they're still working on it <laughs> that's not productivity that's getting lost in organizing and filing which is not adding any value so what i say now is this think of today as day 1 it's like january 1st it's a new year that's beginning Whatever notes you have, this applies actually across your digital life. This is the cool thing. We're talking here about your digital notes app, but this applies to your Dropbox account. It applies to the documents folder on your computer. It applies to Google Drive, like project management tool. The same organizational system of Para, instead of having a different organizing scheme in every single place that you interact with information, you have the same system across all of them. What I advise that you do is whatever platform we're saying, let's just say a notes app, get all your existing notes and put them in the archive.
1: Oh, I love that. Start
0: over. Now, here's the thing for some of you who love organizing and have some FOMO around information that probably seized up, like throw in the archives, right? That feels scary. I'm going to forget something. I'm going to lose something. But think about it this way. You haven't lost anything. Nothing was deleted. It's all exactly as you left it. In the same size and shape and form, it's just slightly off of your desk in a place that it's not going to distract you. And you can always go back to it anytime. Mm. And from that clean slate, just start with projects, create one folder or notebook or tag or whatever system that your, your app uses for each of your projects. And this is great because you probably don't have more than about 10 to 15 projects at most, right? It's not an infinite list, 10 or 15 max. And just start with what is actionable in this moment at this time, which is going to be your projects. And that's how you, you get started.
1: Wow, I absolutely love that. I actually teach a mini course on how to be better at working from home and I suggest something similar for people that are going through their emails. So so a lot of us have like twenty thousand emails in the inbox. And I I suggest to people go and just put it all in the archive and then you'll see what comes up and what's important. You'll go find it and it's not deleted. And I'm seeing people like that are on the call, like Sarah's like, Oh my God, this just threw me in a cold sweat. So if you felt triggered by this idea, I guess it would be the same as kind of like emptying your closet fully. And then putting in the clothes that you want to have regularly and realizing that there's probably a lot of them that you can give away to charity, but you wouldn't be able to just pick them out. But when you do that kind of Marie Kondo, take everything out and then put back what's essential. Yes, everybody's also talking about Marie Kondo. I feel like this actually talks right onto that subject. So... This seems a lot less overwhelming than looking at that pile and being like, oh my God, where do I start? You basically gave us a very strong way to start. I wanted to also talk for a lot of people I've been seeing in the comments talking about what if I'm someone that prefers using a pencil and a piece of paper? Are you recommending people to upgrade to technology or do you see the way that you could use the power framework, which again, I'll repeat projects, area of responsibility, resources and archive. Can you actually translate that to a physical pen and paper system?
0: Yeah. Great question. So my first answer is I really am of the opinion that it's time to go digital. Every book that I read, GTD, the bullet journal method, I could go on and on. They're still rooted in an analog world. At most they'll say, oh, you can do it both ways, analog or digital. But I, you know, I'm a millennial, I'm a digital native. My life for years, I was a digital nomad. I traveled all around the world. I couldn't have anything, even a paper notebook I would lose or get some, you know, coffee on the airplane spilled on it. I think that we've reached a point in technology has gotten simple enough, easy to use enough and universal enough with smartphones. It's time to get our knowledge and just make the leap to digital. Now that said, so my focus is completely digital. Like to me, a paper notebook is not a second brain. It's a paper notebook. A second brain is like all the different crazy apps and technology that are so capable and so powerful that is a second brain. But that said, people have this idea that I'm telling them to only use one app. Like only use a digital notes app that couldn't be further from the truth. The more digital your life becomes and kind of the more skilled and knowledgeable you become, you tend to use more tools, not less. You learn how to use like design tools and brainstorming tools and Canva and InDesign. And you might figure out Figma and you might figure out like MindNode. It's like, you're always learning new apps all the time. So this idea that there's going to be one app to rule them all is totally unrealistic. But here's what I would say. Think of all these tools as creation tools. Like, you know, you on your iPad, you're creating this, this image to me, that's knowledge that is valuable expertise almost that you just produced out of this experience of talking to me on a call, right? So you created that on a drawing app or a note-taking app on your iPad. So what I would say is, as you create all these different things that you create, just take that one extra moment at the end to save it to your Notes app. So your Notes app, it's like the central repository. It's the central archive. So use as many different tools as you want, both paper and digital, right? Like I have a bunch of notebooks here on my shelf. All I do is when I have a note that's worth saving, I just take a photo with my smartphone and then all of that knowledge, instead of being scattered in dozens of different places is in one central
1: place. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And I love that you're actually bold enough to speak about the digital first. I would agree with you and being able to actually take anything you created physically, because I think for one thing I'd want to clarify with you is you're not saying that the pen and paper doesn't need to be used for projects, for creative projects, for anything you want to capture, for maybe note-taking while you're studying something. I know a lot of people here are fans of Jim Quick, and Jim Quick speaks about how this memory-to-mind kind of connection you have on the paper can be really powerful, but here you can still translate it to the digital space, and I want to talk about, you know, one of my friends who first introduced me to you talked about how they would always capture these moments. And I know I was reading from another Jason in a group saying, yeah, I never go back to read my notes, but this person started following your method where any note they would take, they would capture it and maybe put a little label on it. Mm -hmm. And what they've realized is they've compiled so much of these little notes that they could possibly write a book with just ideas that they had with living life every day, which is one of the side benefits, I think, of what you teach. I wanted to maybe just close off on, you know, as we're stepping into this, you're giving us some amazing ideas here about this second brain being more powerful in the way that we organize, be more productive, use these methods as well. What do you see around the future of work? And for people who use these methodologies, what advantages are they going to have?
0: Oh man, there's so much there. I think the second brain concept which has been around for a long time. You know, you can go back to the fifties and read people like Vannevar Bush and Doug Engelbart, you know, throughout the fifties, sixties, seventies, some of the leading thinkers that inspired much of modern technology. They had this idea of an extended mind, or they called it a scholar's workstation, a machine designed to enhance human thinking. It's been around forever. But I think there's all these intersecting trends. I'm myself trying to wrap my head around, but like, let's just pick one, the creator movement. I'm sure many of you have seen this incredible movement of just people realizing they can be full-time creators. They can make videos and art and podcasts, you know, and writing and publish eBooks and not just as a little side project and, you know, make a few bucks, but as a full-time living is becoming more and more common, enabled by some of these incredible tools we have. You know, I wrote a blog post recently about how I made a documentary just on my iPhone. I made a 45-minute documentary using nothing but my phone, the same phone that I would have bought anyway. It was a documentary on my dad's life. You can find it on my YouTube channel. And people watch it, they're like, what film crew did you hire to make this? And I'm like, no, I just pulled out my motion-stabilized via software smartphone, and I filmed it. And then I edited it. That's happening in every medium. It's happening in writing, happening in visuals, happening in audio. But here's the thing. To be a full-time creator, this is the part that people don't realize. You need a creative process. You need a pipeline. You can't just wake up each day and go, what do I feel creatively inspired to make? You need like a system where you're constantly taking in ideas putting them through stages, you know, developing them, reworking them, getting feedback, implementing that feedback and have multiple things in the pipeline so that each week or each day or month or whenever you publish, you have something to draw on. That's the hidden part of the creative lifestyle that people don't realize until they actually try to do it. And so I think that's one big reason that the second brain is becoming
1: such a popular idea. I love it, Tiago. Thank you so much for coming on the show. For everybody that's tuning in, what an incredible episode, which I hope has left you with an insatiable desire to become curious, to dig so much more into this concept of the second brain. And as a quick recap for everybody, we're talking about how technology has a conscious of its own. If you wanna be able to be more productive using this technology, you need to train that technology and you can even think about it as an employee. What are the processes? What are the job descriptions? What are the utilities? So you can take control of that technology and make it work. In benefit to you and not be something that is in your way. We talked about when you want to be productive using the code that Tiago speaks about, where you capture, organize, distill, and express information. And if you know you're the type of person that's better at capturing and organizing, but maybe having a little struggle finishing projects, see how you can use systems and processes or team members that can complement you who are better at distilling and expressing, but maybe they have a bit more challenges starting on projects as well. Now we talked about if you're having this overwhelm of notes, you are okay going Mary Kondo on it or Tiago Forte on it, which is put everything into the archive so that you can start using this new methodology express where you can put things within categories of projects, areas of responsibilities, the resources, as well as the archive finally. And then you can start creating the new projects that you know are important to you as the starting point of reorganizing everything. I'm going to suggest everybody here to go into the show notes where we'll have more links to Tiago Forte's amazing blog where these ideas are being shared and you can discover more about his concepts of training the second brain on his website. This was a fantastic conversation. And of course, we're going to be continuing into a Q&A with our Mind Valley members. If you are not a member, we highly encourage you to become a member and join us on these live calls. Simply go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman, and you'll be able to be part of this Q&A that we're going to get started now. And for everybody on the podcast, stay superhuman and thank you for tuning in.